justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ, and not by works of the law, because by works of the law shall no one be justified. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we ourselves were found to be sinners, is Christ then an agent of sin? Certainly not. But if I build up again those things which I tore down, then I prove myself a transgressor. For I through the law died to the law, that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Peace be to you, the reader.
the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Once again today we're confronted with this gospel that we hear numerous times throughout the year. It repeats itself in the gospels, so we hear it a number of times. Once again, the Lord says, If anyone wishes to, not, to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake and the Gospels will save it. There are very few passages that appear in all four of the Gospels. But this, whoever would save his life will lose it, and whoever would lose his life will save it, disappears in all of the Gospels. In the Gospel of John, it's even whoever loves his life will lose it, and whoever hates his life will save it. There's this great paradox. We've heard it so many times that we don't really think about the paradox of it. So let's put it into a different context. If you're hungry, you won't get fed, and if you're not hungry, you'll get fed. Or if you're looking for a job, you won't get one. But if you aren't looking for a job, you'll get one. Does this make sense? It doesn't make sense at all. But we forget that when we're reading the Gospel. You could multiply that out many different times. If you want to go out, you won't. If you don't want to go out, then you will. It doesn't make sense. But this is what the Gospel is saying. You see, in this gospel, the opposites are brought into symmetry. In other words, Christ is saying the way to pursue the goal is to do the opposite, which does not make sense in normal life. It does not. But you see, this, that sentence can't stand alone. It's the second sentence in this gospel reading. The first one is, If anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. So the second sentence, he's further explaining that some more. Because whenever we hear deny yourself and take up your cross, it's like, okay, got to be a good Christian soldier and do this thing. But there's nothing appealing about that thought. Deny yourself. There's nothing appealing about that. And so our Lord is trying to explain to us a little bit more why we need to deny ourselves. Why do we need to deny ourselves and take up the cross? Because in the world that we live in, everything is against self-denial. We go and we see ads everywhere, we go to stores, we see the people around us with all of the things, and we always are hearing the message, do it, go for it, get that for yourself. You'll feel better if you get that. Do it, again and again and again, every day of our life. So it's hard, especially in our present world. So Christ is explaining to us this great paradox, this paradox again that doesn't really make sense. He's saying, because of the, he's saying it because of the first sentence, deny ourselves. Why would we deny ourselves? Because that's what will bring us life. Because if you just heard that first sentence, deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me, I'm sure many of the people hearing that at the time said, no thanks, I don't want to do that. I don't want to deny myself and take up a cross. But then he's saying, if you do that, you'll get life. And furthermore, if you don't do that, what is the result? If you pursue life, you'll receive death. 
Now let's be clear here. This is not a God who is trying to give us a really confusing equation to try and confuse us and make us fall. He's speaking to us about reality. So how is he speaking to us about reality? Because in another way to look at it, we can see our spiritual life as a choice between two loves. There's self-love and there's selfless love. And these are the choices. These are life and death. And much of our lives we see that self-love means life to us. And selfless love means death to us. But what he's saying is no. It's the opposite. It's the opposite of this. Self-love in Greek, aftophilia, love of yourself, is at the root of so many of the passions. It's at the very root. It's the mother of passions. Self-love. And so it's this choice between life or death. And we see the life or death as life being self-love, death being selfless love or sacrifice. And he's saying it's the opposite. It's the opposite. Love is indeed self-sacrifice. Another way you could think of the, uh, those two loves is, uh, if you think, bear with me a little bit, uh, with astronomy. You think of self-love as a black hole. Just sucking things in. Taking, taking, taking. But what is God's love? The selfless love. It's His creation. If you adhere to the Big, big Bang or otherwise, regardless, boom! Everything is expanding. Everything is more. Everything is greater. This is the love of God. This is what selfless love looks like. As opposed to that black hole that's sucking everything in. In our relationships, we do actually know this. If we think about the people that we're closest to on this earth, we know that self-sacrifice is interwoven with that. We see it in the other when they sacrifice for us, and we see it in ourselves when we sacrifice for them. It's very obvious when we look at those close relationships. But then we forget. We turn towards self-love again because that's the thing that we keep on wanting in our lives. St. Baisios says, on the joy of self-giving, he says, sublime joy emanates from sacrifice. Only when we sacrifice ourselves can we be related to Christ, for Christ is sacrifice. Man can live in paradise here and now. What our Lord is saying about whoever loses his life for my sake in the Gospels will save it, that doesn't just mean at the end of our life. We can be a perpetual giving of our life and perpetually receiving life in this life right now. But the old self keeps rising up, the self-love. It's so appealing, it's so seductive. It says to us, you need this, you deserve this. Nourish yourself, take care of yourself. This is what you need. And that black hole has no limit. So Christ gives us this paradox. If I die to myself, I live, and I love, and I have joy. Another place, St. Paisio says, One must learn to rejoice by giving. When we rejoice by giving, we receive divine grace. When we give or offer something, the joy that we feel provides us with divine oxygen. Think of that. We're receiving the spiritual oxygen in our giving. He also describes 
the, the, uh, the joy of taking, of receiving, as an asphyxiating stench. Think of it like carbon monoxide. When we're taking, it's like carbon monoxide. When we're giving, it's divine oxygen that we're breathing. And so we bring that joy into our lives. Yesterday was the Feast of the Holy Cross. Today is the Sunday after the Feast of the Elevation of the Holy Cross. And on that feast, yesterday and still for this coming week, we celebrate the joy of the cross. And this is why we have the cross here. To venerate the cross. To remember that on that cross, everything was accomplished. Christ gave himself completely. There is a hymn that, in one of the uh, Orthros hymns yesterday that said, All of the trees of the forest rejoice because one of you whom our Lord planted from the beginning of time has been chosen that he should be nailed upon it. What joy in the cross. Immense joy because the cross has accomplished everything. And in the cross, that symbol of victory, we actually can see the kind of love that is required of us. That kind of love that gives us life. What was our Lord's greatest commandment? said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. This is the cross. We love God, everything directed towards God, and we love our neighbors. So every time we see the cross, we can remember that self-sacrifice. We love God, and we love our neighbors. Because many times in our Christian life we fall into that error of thinking it's all about me and God. It becomes just a post in the ground. That I'm pursuing God and I want eternal life and so I'm going to do all these things for God. Well, what does our Lord say? It's the greatest commandment. It's not commandments. It's not two. The greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. This is that self-giving, that sacrificial love, which Christ showed us on the cross. So the shape of the cross guides us to our calling. And this is how we receive life. St. Silouan of Mount Athos goes so far as to say that we can't have God's love if we don't love our fellow men. He says, Let us love our fellow men and the Lord will love us. Don't think, O oh my soul, that the Lord loves you if you look askance at any man. Rather, it is then that you are loved by the devils and that you've become their servant. Repent and ask the Lord for strength to love your brother, and then you will see that peace is in your soul. Our brother is everyone. It's the needy, it's the homeless, it's the sick, it's also the difficult, the ornery, the irritable, everyone. Everyone is our brother. And in everyone we should be looking to offer sacrificial love. Because this is the path to life, the path to joy. I'll finish with one final quote from St. Paisios. He says, For someone who has love in him, it's not enough to simply give to anyone who happens to ask for charity, but he seeks to find people who have some need in order to support them. 
When someone does not have much love, his offering of charity, his love becomes evident in his offering of charity. Let's suppose that I believe I love God. In order to test my love, God sends me a poor person. For example, if I have two watches, a good one and a slightly damaged one, and I give the inferior watch to the poor man, this indicates my love is of secondary quality. If I have real love, I will give the poor man my good watch. However, faulty thinking overtakes us and we say, why should I give my good watch to someone who has none? For him, even the old broken watch will be good enough. But when you give the old watch, then the old self still lives in you. But if you give the new watch, then you are renewed, a reborn man according to the gospel. The man who gives the watch should think, if it were Christ himself, what would I give? Certainly the better watch. This is how we can see which love is the real one. He will then make a decisive choice and the next time give the better object. At first it may be a little difficult, but if he keeps on trying like this, he will eventually get to the point of giving both the old and the new in order to help others. He may not even have a watch, but he will have Christ in his heart and will hear the sweet beat of his heart rejoicing with divine joy. This is the joy that we are to pursue, my brothers and sisters. It is always a joy of self-denial. And we need to strive to see, as Christ is showing us, that through self-denial, then and only then can we begin to experience true love. True love for every man around us. Amen.